What's up, everybody? It's uh, Iggy from Iggy's Live My Podcast. Um, welcome, welcome back, everybody. And uh, this is a this is a special one for me, for sure. Cause um, Monty doesn't know this, but I wanted to save some of the stuff to talk about on the podcast. Uh, but before the podcast kind of started, I was working with I don't know. Do you know who Manny is? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. So originally, <laughs> me and him had tied together on doing this, and so which we kind of you know we still we still good, but um, that was kind of the thing. And I told him when we used to have our meetings, I told him like, listen, one of my goals is to sit down with the the mayor <clears throat> and have a discussion. And uh, so that was like one of the things we wrote on the board and everything. And um, so that's always kind of been there, you know what I mean? So this is very special to me because. I'm sitting down with a potential, I think, winner, but, you know. Well, you can help make that happen. Of course. That's why we're here. (laughs) That's why we're here. That's why we're here, to do that. But, you know, I kind of, I like to speak things and put it out there, and I feel like that's, from what I can tell and how I've seen kind of how you, your name is popping up, I'm seeing more signs. Even when we was driving here, I was pointing your signs up to him, and, uh Uh, so it was cool to see, and it's cool. It's been cool to see. So, um, anyways, everybody, Monty Burrell is here. Brule, Brule, sorry, right. Brule is here. Um, here to talk about his campaign to be uh, mayor of Chattanooga a little bit. Well, we also going to talk about everything else, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna let him introduce himself, and, uh, and then we'll get started. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. I, you know, when I saw. Iggy's Loudmouth podcast. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I'm a native Chattanoogan. I uh, grew That's up bad. in Alton Park on Highland Avenue, a couple of doors down from Union, Union Grove Baptist Church. And uh, lived in East Chattanooga in City View Apartments, yeah. uh, apartment F5. Lived off of Wilcox Boulevard uh, in Rollingwood on Wandale Trail. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, through uh, just good fortune, I received a scholarship to go to Baylor School. So I became Baylor's first African-American graduate. And uh, from, from Baylor, I went to Harvard. And mm-hmm. I have a degree in economics from Harvard. Uh, and I feel like I've been given all of this opportunity and I've had all of this life experience mm-hmm. so that I can uh, be mayor of Chattanooga and yeah. I can be the mayor for all people, not yeah. just a few privileged people. Yeah, yeah, respect. Yeah, I mean, and um, I'm glad that you've used that and, and taken that with you because um, sometimes that's not the case and we won't go down that route. But I will say I respect that you have acknowledged that and – um, you being the first, I, I read that the other day that you were the first black graduate from Baylor, and um, that one, that's awesome. Tied in Black History Month, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'm not that old, especially. And you're not. You're not. That's the crazy thing about that. When we when we brought that up, I was talking to my homie who Rick, who's working the boards today. Appreciate that, Rick. Uh, Rich, but uh, I, before before we got here, I was talking about that, and I was talking about that date of that is not that old. The other, the other day, I posted my granddad. He was the first black graduate from Corinth High School in Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And that was in 68. 60, I think 68 is when I said. So you were what? 79. 79. Okay. So, and I told him, I was like, that's Baylor's a lot harder for black kids to get into, even now to this day. I, I, I went to Macaulay 
sixth through ninth grade. Uh-huh. So we're gonna talk about that. I want to talk okay. about that perspective a little bit, but but also like I just know that that's a real you know that's an accomplishment for you to have. That's a very strong medal. Uh, Baylor's a hard school, obviously for educational reasons, but also there's a lot of weight with probably you had going there as a as a first black student to graduate. Some some of that you know, and yeah. that you had to deal with that. We don't know about it. We can talk about it, but in some respects, I think it was easier for me to be the first than Mm -hmm. it might have been for the person who was the 20th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Because no one knew what to expect with me. Yeah. And then by the time other people came along, they had uh, preconceived notions Mm -hmm. and and certain things were put into place that may Mm -hmm. have made it even harder to be Mm -hmm. the 20th Mm -hmm. than to be the first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's, that's crazy. You know, I was talking about um, before we get into some of the topics. Like, I was kind of reviewing some some stuff that I, I wanted to ask, and one of the things that from the podcast that I drew that I was listening to before was like, even when you bring that up, there are certain areas around here that have never even seen a you know never met a black person before, even within this community. You know, oh, what yeah, I'm saying? it's an outreach, forty fifty minutes away. You know, they've never seen a, a black person outside of TV or whatever. So, or working in their house. Or working in the house. Yeah, they've never. Yeah, they've never sat down and talked to talked to a black person. When I was in the seventh grade, uh, my first year at Baylor, uh, one of my classmates invited me to come over to his house, mm-hmm. uh, and he lived on Lookout Mountain. Mm-hmm. And when I walked in, his little sister said, "Mommy, he's just like our maid." <laughs> Man, that's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Boy, man, I'm, you know, that's crazy, man. That's, well, that's all you can say. Cause, yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's, that's I've, you know, that's not the first time I've heard stuff like that, but to, you know, that's very low, you know what I mean? And, like, uh, to, to go through that, even that's a prize thing. I just want to celebrate you for that, for sure, but... Um, well, welcome to the podcast. I know we kind of dove in off track, but I'm excited to kind of touch on the fact that you went to Baylor. I, like I said, I went to Macaulay 6th through 9th. And uh, throughout the podcast, I've kind of touched on that a little bit. Mm-hmm. One of the specific podcasts, they asked me, you know, what it was like going there as a black kid. Like I had three white women on. We were having that conversation about all of that. And uh, I didn't really have a true perspective on it. I, and I still don't because it's very, it's a bubble kind of in Macaulay a little bit. Um, and so <clears throat> when you get there, um, by that time, I wasn't the first, but we were probably middle school. The middle school had just opened up in Macaulay not too long before I went there. Right. Um, it had always had a high school. And so the, we were the first sixth grade that brought in as many black kids as they did. And so there was definitely an element there. It was only like, I mean, they bring in probably 50, 60 Students, I would say maybe a little more than that, but um, we were probably only 12 of us, you know, 11 of us. So <clears throat> we all know each other, obviously, you know how that goes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but, um, and so I kind of got to see that side and I kind of got to feel that a little bit and feel what that feels like. And now that I'm older <laughs> and I can, and now that I'm older and, that, and uh, I can look back on that. I see, like, you know, that area, <clears throat> and I was talking to, to Rich about this before, like, that area could give back so so much for where it's at. And um, especially from a black student that was there, 
and when you go outside indoors, it's totally different than when you go inside of Macaulay. It's totally different. Oh yeah, yeah. And um, and so I was think I was talking to him, and I was just like, I wonder, like, what what would it take? First of all, I feel like leadership in this city needs to to be a lot better, in my opinion, especially when it comes to black leadership. Um, and I'm going to touch on that a little bit later because I talked to my parents about it. I told them I was coming to talk to you. And they, make sure you ask them this. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but, but, but going back to Macaulay, like, <clears throat> I feel like that area could get back so much. And um, I was like, what would it be like if what, like Monty was to sit down with Macaulay and Baylor and had that discussion? Like, hey, listen, this is a community right outside your doors. You don't have – there's no, like – there's no reason like something, especially when you're there's more development going on in Macaulay in that area. Right, and they've been there a long time, so I feel like you could. Uh, he was even throwing out like possible scholarships that they could outreach right there, and, and it would not hurt their budget at all, whatever, to do that. But like, or possible like outreach centers, like on a Saturday you come in, it's a science outreach or something like that, where you have kids come in and you, and you learn or something like just 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 throwing out ideas like that. And so uh, I feel like it's it's cool to have that opportunity to talk to you because you actually well, know. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. This was probably. <laughs> This would have been, oh, I'm going to say 1990, somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Uh, Baylor was having a capital campaign, and I don't remember the exact number, but mm-hmm. but I think they were wanting to raise you know 50 million dollars yeah, or, or yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And and how I got on this committee, I do not know, <laughs> but but I was asked to be on mm-hmm. the the capital campaign committee. Yeah. And so we go to this first meeting, and all the big donors are there, all the yeah. big wigs. Yeah. And uh, they're talking about how much money that uh-huh. they're going to raise. And I've, I raised my hand, and I said, well, I've got maybe a kind of crazy idea. Yeah. But if we're going to raise $50 million, uh-huh. suppose we gave a million dollars to the public schools. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that would that would totally set us apart mm-hmm. from any other private school. Like we raised ours, yeah. but now we're going to give some to the public yeah. schools. Yeah, dead silence, <laughs> crickets. Man, that's crazy. That's crazy. Man. And you know, and it, you know, there are some great people at those schools. Right? Oh yeah, and it, it, oh yeah, and and, it, and I'm and and I'm still you know plugged in the, in there. Mm-hmm, I have mm-hmm. great friends from there, mm-hmm. and I don't tell these stories because I am trying to put down Baylor. Of course, right? of course it's, not. It's, of course yeah, not. It's it's just yeah. what the t- but it's the I feel like that's yeah. a reality talk. Yeah, yeah it's just, just the reality. I, right. And that, even with Baylor, but you know, uh, both of them really like I feel like if you sat down and look at your communities outside your doors and think about how much impact. You don't even have it wouldn't even hurt y'all as much as it would impact the outside. Right. Humo- humongous compared to what you would be giving up. You know, the alumni, I'm sure at Macaulay, the investments that they make to that school, you know, maybe that could go to something else outside of what the doors are provided. Like and that wouldn't necessarily hurt them. They they're they're a great school. They they're very prosperous. They've done a great job with the education that they've done with, you know, some of the kids and stuff that have grown from there. But They've also been in that same location for a lot of years, and there's not much change going on from in that relationship that I feel like is that could be beneficial, especially if we, in this day and age. We're talking about, all right, let's think about how we can invest more into black, brown, you know, the the the, the underprivileged lives as much. Like, 
let's have them real conversations and how can we do it? And yeah. And <clears throat> so, uh, Last year, last mm-hmm. uh, uh, ML King week, mm-hmm. I gave the keynote speech at uh, at Baylor oh, yeah. because it was the 40th anniversary of my graduation, oh, man. which means it was the 40th anniversary of the first black graduate of, yeah, of Baylor. Yeah, of course. And, and one of the things I talked about yeah. was how progressive the student body yeah. was. Yeah, like yeah. the Baylor students do community service. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're in every black and brown neighborhood yeah, yeah. Uh, in Chattanooga working. Mm-hmm. And I said, but the the leadership isn't keeping up. Yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same families who are mm-hmm. on the board of trustees. Mm-hmm. It's the same old people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you need to look at what the students are doing yeah. because the students are, are really... I want to in touch. Yeah, the, the students are trying to, to make big change in mm-hmm. Chattanooga. Mm-hmm, that's... I totally agree. I learned that um, uh, just recently I did like a little guest speaker step in the class at UTC and it was uh, just a discussion. It was like a women's studies class. And um, but just hearing, you know, some of the younger, even younger than me, like talking about some of these things. And like that's something that I'm I, I appreciate that I noticeably have, you know, I see that you do like you're invested into that communication and, and making sure you're touching on those that age range and those those type of people because coming up like we're the ones that's going to be 40 50 60 coming up you know what i mean we're 30 20 30 now so 10 20 years we'll be the 40 50 year olds we're going to be the ones that's like the world is pretty we're pretty much kind of shifting where the world is going right now the future belongs to young people yeah you you know they should be the ones designing it yeah you know you don't need people of my generation planning out what the future of you yeah. know you know a, a twenty or thirty year old is going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think um, I wouldn't say we don't necessarily need it. I I, I am one that looks for wisdom uh, and, and advice at, at times. So I guess I could. My wife would say I'm pretty stubborn about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I try to when I'm consciously about that about obtaining, especially when I'm talking to somebody that's older. I definitely try to like pull something or, or, or learn and so I would never say that we don't need that but I also think that we should be more of the leaders uh, just because <clears throat> or like as far as being heard or necessarily sat down with and discussed with like what you're doing right now you know this is something that needs to happen more often because that's how progress begins I mean you got to stay in touch with what's going on in common people's lives and stuff like that so I definitely appreciate that about what you what you got going so um, well, you know, well, how many days is it away from? We are March nine 2nd, right? days away yeah. from the election. Yeah, uh, March so, the second. So yeah, I mean, um, man, it's, I got you in crunch time. I wasn't expecting this. Got you in a podcast in <laughs> crunch time. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like I said, I asked you before the show, but you know, how are you feeling about uh, where you're at right now? Um, the the energy around around Monty's campaign and. Uh, what you're seeing from the people. I know you just did, um, I think you're rolling with the roll to the vote with Moonlight. Roll to the pole. Uh-huh. Yeah, roll to the pole. Yeah, yes. I'm jacking up the name. Sorry. Sorry, Adrian. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Moonlight Roller. Yeah, so uh, how was that? That was great. 
it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Moonlight Roller brought their uh, DJ booth out. Oh. Uh, they oh. had uh, disco balls. Yeah. And, and their skate team was there. They were yeah. skating around. Yeah. Having a good time. Uh, they got me on skates. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm just glad I didn't go to the ER. That's, yeah. uh, that's are you, all I are you, say. Uh, do you Have you skate? Have you... Are you much of a skater? Oh, I have skated in my life, but <laughs> <laughs> not lately. Not lately. <laughs> me either. I think she was trying to get me. I was like, listen, it's been a minute since I skated. Last, I ice skated when it was doing the uh, ice skating at the Choo Choo. I fell, and it was not great. Uh-huh. In, the, in the middle of a crowd of people. So you can't play that all. You know, you're trying to play that all. You can't play that all. Well, there. ice skating is harder than roller skating that's anyway. That's true. It is. Yeah. But it, that's, it kind of deterred me from uh-huh. skating in general. <laughs> but, uh, but that's awesome. That's awesome. But you man. asked me how things were going, yeah. and, and I think things are going great. Yeah, yeah. Because I meet people, you know, like Adrian and the Moonlight yeah. Roller team, mm-hmm. and I dare say, that the skating community has never gotten behind a mayoral candidate. I would, before. I yeah, that's I would. You know, you're right. Yeah. That's the first time that that's happened. So, sure. so I don't think that I'm necessarily necessarily drawing from the same voting pool that we've mm-hmm. always had. Mm-hmm. I believe that I'm attracting new voters uh, in, into the the pool, mm-hmm. and and I think that's why we're going to win. Mm-hmm. It's it's because none of the poll uh, none of the pollers pollers none of the pollsters yeah. are are polling the people mm-hmm. who are going to vote for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. I would I would consider myself one of those. I wouldn't say. I mean, I I, I say that the last time that there was a mayor mayor vote, I wasn't here. I wasn't I was in the air force. So mm-hmm. I served in the military. And by the time I got back, it was 2015. So I think Mayor Burke was already in the seat at the time. And so uh, this is kind of my first one. Previously, I was younger and I wasn't really invested. So uh, as I've gotten older, I realized the lo- this is where it matters. You know, not oh, yeah. necessarily the big votes. Of course, everybody cares about the president. And I've talked about that. That's a big mess. This is where it starts right here. This is where you want to make change. It's where you can go outside your door and you can see it happening. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I feel like you're right. I feel like you're touching people that normally wouldn't vote. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. And, uh, and that's not a getting accounted for. And that's good. I'm glad you feel good about it. Especially I, in the crunch time. You know, oh, yeah. Yeah, I feel like the ball coming is four seconds, so you can you feel good about it. The closer we get to Election Day, the better I feel about it. <laughs> uh, because, you know, I, I started this maybe a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I, I think I was the first candidate to actually declare. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I did it was because I knew that I wouldn't raise as much money as some uh-huh. of the other candidates. Uh-huh. And so I wanted extra time yeah. so that I could meet with people. Mm-hmm. I could shake their hands. I could look them in the eye. And this mm-hmm. was pre-COVID, of course. Yeah, yeah, huh? But now that we you know, have this pandemic, yeah. I look like some kind of genius because yeah. nobody can go out and have and, events and anymore. Do that. Yeah. And I've already been out doing that. Yeah, yeah. So people know me and yeah. uh and I feel like we've made a good connection. I'm glad that uh your your happiness within your campaign is rooted in people, you know, and not necessarily other things. Um but the people like you're talking about the people, you know, that's kind of I, I I hear you on that. And I'm happy that that's part of what you want and what you what you want as far as a relationship. Have you did you always want to be the mayor? Is that kind of 
<laughs> was that always in your plan? No, no. It, it, it hasn't always been my plan. Yeah. I would be lying if I said I'd never thought of it before. Yeah. Because I have thought of it, you know, at certain times in the past. Generally, generally when I was mad at the current mayor. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. You know, I could do this. That's how, so. <laughs> that's how I start. Everybody say that, man. I could do a better job than that. And here you go, Mike. So I was like, okay, give me the keys. I want to drive it. Let me... Let when me did, do it. When did you first start feeling like it was a serious thing? Like, when did you first start feeling like I really want to I'm going to say three years ago. Okay. I, was, I was involved behind the scenes in mm-hmm. a couple of political campaigns. Mm-hmm. And then after uh, the last campaign, uh, somebody, you know, took me aside and said, you know, you're trying to help all these other people get elected to office have you mm-hmm. ever thought about running for office? And have you ever thought about being the mayor? Because mm-hmm. I think you'd be a great mayor. Mm-hmm. And coincidentally, within that, the next two weeks, mm-hmm. three more people, totally separate from mm-hmm. one another, came up to me and, and suggested that I should run for mayor. That's awesome. And I said, well, if this is happening, I, maybe there's something here. Maybe yeah. I should listen to them. Yeah. Uh, so I began, you know, what everybody calls a listening tour. I just started talking to anybody who would sit down with me Mm -hmm. across, you know, the entire political spectrum. Mm -hmm. I sat down with the most, you know, liberal people in Chattanooga Mm -hmm. and I sat down with the most conservative people in Mm -hmm. Chattanooga Mm -hmm. because I just wanted to hear what everybody, you know, had to say. And then I started putting my platform together. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the more I looked at it, the more things kept jumping out at me, mm-hmm. you know, like in 1997 mm-hmm. uh, when John Kinsey was elected mayor. And mm-hmm. I consider him to be like the first of four progressive mayors we've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, the average African-American family made 62 percent what the average white family made. Mm-hmm. And now here we are in 2021 with all of this progress that we've made. We're, you know, we've been named the best outdoor city, yep. the most livable city, yep. best place to start a business. Yep. So after all this progress, you would think that That's that disparity yeah. would have gotten better. Mm-hmm. But no, it's gotten worse. Mm-hmm. So in 2021, the average African-American family makes less than half what the average white family makes in mm-hmm. Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Now, that tells me that what we've been doing hasn't been working. Hasn't been working. It hasn't been working for some people. Yeah. And, and, and I'm talking about a big percentage because yeah. we are, you know, like a 40% yeah. minority 30, city. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Uh, we, were just, I just, we just talked about that on, I think, with 30, what, 37, 38. Right. And then you add the Latinx community yeah. on, on so top of that. Yeah. yeah. So it makes no sense yeah. that, that that bigger group mm-hmm. has not only not been keeping up, mm-hmm. but has been losing ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when you look at households in poverty... Two-thirds of all households in poverty in Chattanooga are headed by single women. So we know where the poverty is. Mm -hmm. The poverty is concentrated with single mothers, Mm -hmm. their kids, and families. Mm -hmm. And the reason it's gotten worse is is because we've never had one of the 64 affluent white men who Mm -hmm. we've had as mayor, Mm -hmm. not a single one of them has ever stood up and said, 
I want to be the champion for single mothers, mm -hmm, their mm -hmm. kids, and families. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to be that mayor. Yeah. I'm going to be the first mayor in the history of Chattanooga that says, I am here mm -hmm. for single moms. I'm here for ev everyday, yeah. average people, yeah. and that we can make the city great for everybody, yeah. not just the privileged few. Yeah, I think uh, one, I, one, one thing I appreciate you with that, I think that ties in is that you're locally focused. I think um, there's been a lot of people moving from moving into Chattanooga from different places. I don't know if you've noticed that. Oh yeah, yeah. But I've noticed that very much so, and uh, which is great. You know, that's a great thing. I never thought I'm from Chattanooga. I'm not native. I was born in Knoxville, but I lived here mm -hmm. the majority of my life, um, and um, I never thought that you know I would be meeting people and they coming from L.A. to Chattanooga and like. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, why are you moving here? But um, uh, so it's cool to see. But I feel like um, the leadership um, has been focused on that so much, and and uh, and how to make it an attractive city, like the outdoor, all those awards, like make it, you know, um, downtown so cool. Like, but it, it's not investing in the people that are here that have been here. It's a this is a historical city. Uh, from across the board, especially in the black and brown community. It's a historical city here. And uh, I feel like that's not really been considered with the growth. And that, right. And um, so I appreciate the fact that that's something, because you're native Chattanoogan, so you know these are things that needed to be talked about a long time ago. Um, and you're here now. You can you can do something about it. And so that's, that's I, I appreciate that. <clears throat> and... I will tell you another thing is when I go to some of these neighborhoods, when I go to Churchville or mm -hmm. Bushtown or, mm -hmm. or the West Side, mm -hmm. uh, people always say to me, just look around. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you want to know why, you know, we're angry or mm -hmm. you want to know why we feel left out? Mm -hmm. Look around. Mm -hmm. Like, would you want to live here? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So the question mm -hmm. is, and they always ask, when do we get something? Yeah. When are you going to do something for us? Yeah. Like, yeah. I will tell you, if you believe that everybody gets equal investment, mm -hmm. then I want you to go look at the playground at College Hill Courts. Yeah. Because it's 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 not a playground. It's got two broken down, you know, you know, pieces of equipment, and it's basically a big old dust bowl. Yeah, they, they let you know what they think about you. Yeah. That's, that's for kids. Yeah. <laughs> and they right. wouldn't even invest in that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, that's a deep, well, that's a deep conversation right there. Uh, well, I want to, so I, I, I did my little research on you a little bit. and um, Uh-oh, here we go. I know, I'm not going to die too much <laughs> into that, but I do want to talk about some, some of the stuff, you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, so I, I looked at the, the four pillars, so uh, I guess re, uh, read distribute resources to neighborhoods, which we kind of talked about a little bit, expand job, job opportunities, invest and innovate affordable housing, and the Carter bus program. And I will say, so we'll go straight for the Carter, the Carter bus program is definitely what drew me into you mm -hmm. as far as a candidate. That was, that was like, ding, like. Somebody, Why is that? Because I feel like um, only somebody that has been talking to the people knows that that's something that needs to be fixed. You feel me? Like, I feel like that, like the Carter, that should be something that we have been, have been fixed a long time ago. That's an accessible way for people to get to their homes, their jobs. We are not 
a big enough city to where our bus program should not be a strong. It should be stronger than that. And, oh yeah. Um, for you to even address that and make that known, like this is something that that needs to be talked about to even be put out. Um, that kind of drew me in. I feel like that that was because I didn't really see that in anybody else's. But I could be wrong. But when I was looking through other platforms, that's not something that they talked. Of course, not. they talked about the roads getting fixed and. Um, you know, the general, but that's something that the people of Chattanooga really, like, that would really affect here right. a lot. So, um, what may, I guess what discussion led, led because pillars, you know, candidates have their points that they want to make, but the pillars are the, what the backbone of the campaign is about, I would assume, right? Oh, yeah. So, what made you make that one of the, the backbones? <clears throat> so, as I was going around town talking to all these people, mm-hmm. you know, we would talk about Crime. Mm-hmm. We would talk about, uh, you know, creating jobs and, mm-hmm. and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I realized that transportation was at the heart of a lot of the issues that we have. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about education mm-hmm. and transportation. Mm-hmm. Right now we have the system where our kids are held hostage by the 215 school bus home every day Mm -hmm. if you are not on that bus you don't have a ride home and (laughs) if you go out to the juvenile detention center on east third Mm -hmm. what you will find is that most of those kids were arrested between three o'clock in the afternoon and seven o'clock in the evening they were not out at midnight they weren't out at two in the morning they were out of school unsupervised their parents weren't home from work and they made some bad decisions So if we put a bus stop at every middle school and every Mm -hmm. high school Mm -hmm. and we make the bus free to ride, Mm -hmm. then we provide alternative transportation to kids. Mm -hmm. So the kid who couldn't go out uh, for sports Mm -hmm. can now go out for sports. Mm -hmm. The kid who couldn't be in the school play Mm -hmm. can be in the school play. And the kid who uh, needs extra help with, with schoolwork can get it. Just because we're going to to provide free, reliable transportation home from school every day. Mm -hmm. That's going to address a lot of problems there. Mm -hmm. So right now, we're creating jobs, but we're creating jobs up at Enterprise South, Mm -hmm. halfway to Udawa. Mm -hmm. It's more than halfway to Udawa. Mm -hmm. You know, you can throw a rock and hit Udawa from from Enterprise South. So... That's a two-hour, one-way bus ride mm-hmm. uh, from Alton Park or from East Chattanooga. So in order to be successful, if you don't have a car, you have to commit four hours a day to your round-trip transportation. And where did I say the poverty was? It's with single mothers, their kids, and families. So you're a single mom. Mm-hmm. You want that job. Mm-hmm. You would like to have that job. But how can you spend four hours a day away from your children? You can't. You can't do it. So the whole thing is set up for failure. So we need to do things like if if those jobs are out there and we want people to be able to get to them, then we need express buses Mm -hmm. that go directly directly to those places. Directly there, no stops. You get on here and you get off at your job, Mm -hmm. right? And then we we turn that around when it's time to go home. Now. the best thing would be to create jobs in the urban core, create mm-hmm. jobs mm-hmm. where people you know, live. And I've, I've, I've got a plan to do that, too, for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but if you don't have reliable transportation, mm-hmm. particularly free transportation, how can you 
go look for work? Mm -hmm. How can you be successful getting to and from work mm -hmm. every day? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, it goes without saying, making it free isn't it's the answer. Yeah. Because if you make a bad system free, yeah. it's still a bad system. Yeah. So we're going to have to reroute it. We're going to have to make it into a good system. Mm -hmm. And once it's good, even more people will want to ride it. Yeah, I uh, think um, I was... I've been talking about that uh, recently, probably in the past couple of years. That you know, when I served in uh, when I served in the military, I was stationed in Germany. And one of the no main noticeable things about Europe versus mainly here, I wouldn't say all the United States, but is the accessibility to transportation in Europe. It's very easy to go to work, go to jobs because they have a train system, they have a, a, a very advanced bus system that. Go like you don't have to drive. A, when I started dating my wife, she's from Germany. When I started dating my wife, you know, I, I stayed with her for about three months where I just lived with her, and we never had to go anywhere that we had to drive, and we could take the train everywhere. Right. So when I came back here, that's one of the main things that I noticed was that it's a lot harder to get places here if you don't have a car, and um, <clears throat> you know, that's that's Chattanooga is not. It's it's a growing city. It's a big city. It's a prosperous city, but it's not big enough to where our buses should not be able to take people, you know, where they should be able to go in a reasonable time to get the working back. I've been in bigger cities that are able to do it, so Chattanooga should not be one of those. We oh have, yeah, we have a bus program here. Uh, we should definitely revitalize it, and um, you know, you're right. I mean, these people that are taking it are you know, probably less privileged because they can't get a car, obviously. So they are very limited on means to how they can get to work. And we have something here that needs, that we can majorly influence a certain, a certain type of people or a certain amount of people uh, to be able to get to work in a reasonable time to be able to get to school. That's wild to me that the bus stops at, what's you say, 2.15? Right. That's crazy. Like, that's super early. It is. <laughs> Well, don't get me started on, on how early our kids start school, too. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no reason that uh, a kid should have to be at school by 645. That's nuts. Right? That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, you're not going to get the, the best. I don't know. I, I, so let's talk about education a little bit because I had a, a teacher recently on it. Um, I'm very, very vocal about education in general, but also like, you know, uh, things like that. How are we helping students? I, I feel like coronavirus really exposed our education system last year because there were, once we made kids localized, we realized, all right, well, how do we, how are we going to educate them properly? Uh, now we got to depend on computers. Now we got to depend on internet. How do we build the curriculum around that? Online school is not new. It's been around for college, but for high school and middle school, it seemed to be a big problem. So right. why is that? You know what I'm You know, so like things like that. And then also um, the, the curriculum for kids, not everybody's built for that curriculum. So how do we make kids want to go to school? Do we introduce trades? Do we introduce things like that into the curriculum? Sure. Um, I think we do need a trade school. Uh, there's some talk right now about turning 
the former Marianne Garber Elementary School mm -hmm. in uh, East Chat into a trade school. Mm -hmm. I don't like that location. Mm -hmm. I want to put the trade school on the uh, campus of Chattanooga State okay. uh, yeah. because they're already doing some of those things. The, the equipment mm -hmm. is already there. Mm -hmm. But here's the most important thing. Uh, if we put it on the campus of Chat State, mm -hmm. then kids get used to going to a college campus, campus yeah. to go to school. Right. And so when they graduate, it's not that big of a transition to go for two more years and get mm -hmm. an associate's degree mm -hmm. or get some kind of certification. Mm -hmm. And the reason that's important is that for people who go beyond high school mm -hmm. and they get just a two-year associate's degree, mm -hmm. that adds up to an extra $500,000 in lifetime earnings. Yeah. And so you're talking about real money oh, if yeah. you'll just stay in school yeah. a couple of more years. Yeah. And so that's why I want to put the trade school on the campus at Chat State. Yeah. But beyond a trade school, I believe that when a, when a kid goes to school, we're in a race to help that person, to help that student identify his, his or her passion. Yeah. Because the sooner you can ignite a passion inside of a student, yeah. the, the more they're going to learn, yeah. the harder they're going to work. Yeah. They see the plan for it. Yeah. So one of, the, one of the discussions I've had is with uh, uh, Brian Johnson, the school superintendent, mm -hmm. I've said to him, I know as the city mayor, I'm not going to be your boss. I don't get to tell you what to do, yeah. but I can be your partner. Yeah. So suppose we provided counseling for every student going into middle school from fifth grade to sixth grade. And we ask not only what do you want to be when you, when you grow up, but who do you want to be when you grow mm -hmm. up? And we create a life plan that follows a child from sixth grade all the way through high school. Mm. And we revisit it every year. And that lets every student know that we care about what their dreams are. Yeah. We care about what their aspirations are. Yeah. And, and we say, if you do these things, you can achieve them. Yeah. Uh, but right now, we just let kids drift and mm -hmm. then maybe by the time they get Take to eleventh grade or twelfth grade, we go, Oh, what you gonna do after you graduate? Yeah, yeah. Oh I mean the curriculum is I and I talked about this with I think t there's two things as far as with the teachers that I, I talked about like uh previously was that one is that, you know, I, I feel like the teachers don't feel necessarily the good teachers don't feel the support that they should be getting. But also uh I think she had mentioned like the bad teachers don't get held accountable uh for that. Um, but the curriculum, like, it's so repetitive um, a lot of times. And I don't know what where that falls in line as far as where we need to work with that, but the curriculum is so repetitive. Like, by the time you get to 11th grade, you've taken history, like, three or four different times. And it's not even real history. We're not talking about no black history, no, right. no Native American history, none of that. You're talking about the same old, you know, Civil War, uh, maybe talking about the Great Depression a little bit when you get in high school. And we learn about certain presidents, and that's it. It's very repetitive. Uh, even in science, like, you're not really igniting something because it's so repetitive. People just going to school and just walking, going through the motions through school. Right. Unless you have uh, people that have a foundation or self-driven, which is awesome, but not everybody is self-driven. Sometimes you got to push it. And only 36% <laughs> of our kids read at grade level. So. Wow. <laughs> 
How how that, that happens, I don't know. That is why I didn't expect you to pull that number out. Uh-huh. That was a bomb. 36%? 36%. So. <laughs> why did that happen? How do we allow that to happen? Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. So, I mean, well, shoot. It sounds like we need to start from the ground up, really. If we're only getting 30, 36% reading level, that's not good. I mean, that means at the beginning levels, we need to be making sure stuff is... That's crazy. Exactly, which gets to early childhood development, mm-hmm. early childhood education. Uh, you know, I'm a product of Head Start. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, if I hadn't gone to Head Start at Calvin Donaldson, I probably wouldn't have gotten to go to Baylor, yeah. and I certainly wouldn't have gotten to go to Harvard. Yeah. But I, I could read when I started first grade. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I, was, I was already on a path yeah. that was going to help me be a better learner. Yeah, it starts there. I mean, that's... <laughs> You know, we start school, so my, I'm learning. I'm kind of getting a hard hit on that now. My my son is three, and he'll be four next month, and now I got to really start thinking, all right, school's coming up. You know, where are we, where, what are we doing, what are we going to do, what we want with that? So, uh, and it hits. It's like, you know, that, that we need to start early and making sure those, those lines are, are built correctly. I feel like once you get in middle school, you know, we should be having, all right, our where are we going with these kids and how do we get that way? Are they more inspired by math? Are they more inspired by science and build curriculums based around that? Are they more inspired? Are, are they more inspired by economics, home economics, woodshop, uh, mechanics? Like, are they better with their hands? And, you know, not everybody's built for one, one way to be a student. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. We, we don't take that into account. Even with... But I mean, even with us, like we we go to these private schools. There's a certain way you got to be at those private schools. We got to think about that too, as far as like, no, not necessarily. They could be different type of people that go there. So, <clears throat> um, you know, education is that's crazy. Thirty. I'm kind of stuck on that number <laughs> uh, for reading level. That's that's nuts. I, I I've noticed. Uh, <clears throat> I just passed Howard the other day. I, is that track new over there? Am I am I tripping? Is it that, is new. It is new? It is okay. new. Mm-hmm. I noticed that they've added that. That kind of made me smile a little bit. I know Howard's kind of been a sensitive sensitive place for as far as discussion for school the past couple of years. Um, so it's good to see that, you know, a track got put over there. <clears throat> well, yeah, that that is a different conversation. But basically, as this... As the south side of Chattanooga has been gentrified mm-hmm. and more and more white people have mm-hmm. moved there, mm-hmm. that means that they're zoned for Howard. Yep, you're right. And, and, and so there's more interest now in making sure that... That, that school is invested in. Exactly. You know, I didn't even think about that. I did. That's crazy. That's crazy that you... Man, that makes me sad. I'm just letting y'all know that. You know, let's talk about gentrification a little bit because that's kind of been one of my rant points on the, the podcast uh, in this area. Uh as far as the south side. Um, I guess, I mean, I saw some, you know, what you talked about in, the, in, the, in your platform, but realistically, what is the best way that can be stopped? I mean, if we've got these companies investing in these lands and stuff like that and they want to build around, how, who are we going to tell then they can't buy something? And invest? I mean, they, they don't care who's living there. So realistically... What what do we feel that we can invest back into that and make it make sure that that's not uh, that's not happening at such a, a, a strength anymore? 
So uh, a couple of years ago, I was the chairman of Glass House Collective in mm-hmm. East Chattanooga. Okay. Right. Uh, we, we've spent you know a lot of time and invested a lot of resources in helping the residents of the Glass Farms mm-hmm. and uh, uh, Boyce Station and mm-hmm. other neighborhoods mm-hmm. uh, gain control of the neighborhood mm-hmm. and and really you know participate in how those neighborhoods continue to develop. So I'm going to say about four or five years ago, the average home sale, the, the price that, that someone paid to buy a house in that area was about $30,000. Now, today, that number has risen to, I think, $50,000 or so, maybe a little more than that. But it's still affordable. Mm-hmm. The problem we have is that 65% of the people who live in East Chattanooga are renters. They're not homeowners. Yeah. And and we've got to provide pathways to home ownership yep. because that's how you slow down gentrification. Uh, the we can't let the average price in East Chattanooga get to a hundred thousand dollars because then it becomes not affordable yeah, yeah. for a lot of the people who are already there. Yeah. Right? So if, if you can buy the house now for $50,000 and then it appreciates in value, it gets up to $100,000, a couple of things can happen. You can continue to live in the house and build wealth and build equity in the house, mm-hmm. or you can sell it. Mm-hmm. And then you get the $50,000 in appreciation mm-hmm. that, was, that was built up in the equity there. Mm-hmm. But right now, we have... Investors from Texas and California, yeah. they're coming in buying 12 houses at a time. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what gentrif- gentrification is, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because the rents are going to go up. The people who are renting are going to get displaced because they won't even be able to afford the rents there anymore because the investors have to get back their, their investment, yeah, exactly. right? So I want to put a moratorium on... Uh, on outside investment uh, for people uh, in non-owner-owned homes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, if you want to come from California and you want to live here Mm -hmm. and you want to buy some houses, okay, I'm cool with that. But if you're just doing it as a passive investment and you're going to maybe convert everything to short-term vacation rental or whatever, then no, we can't have that because that makes it unaffordable for the people who are already living there. Right. And so as mayor, my obligation is to the people who live here, not to not to the people who live in California and who want to invest here. Yeah. Right. So so we've got to do something about that. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think, like I said, it's another it's another reason why you you are doing you. I might have to. When's the next voting day? I ain't voted yet. I have to pull up. I know. But no, you're, you're hitting on key points. It's like. That's you're right. I, I feel like there's been such an um, we haven't thought about that with this all this growth and we're allowing these people to come in and buy all this land up and and build up Chattanooga and we're not thinking about you know who that's affecting and I am my family is the people that live here sees it. We don't want to lose you know our identity at all. So um, I, I, yeah, go ahead. So I'll go ahead and say this. Uh, 
St. Elmo has already yeah. been gentrified. There, there's no, yeah. more, no, no more land. There's nothing else to be done. Yeah. And so now we see development creeping into Alton Park. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep, I've noticed so, that. <laughs> so I was, I was at a, uh, a community meeting uh, several months ago, mm-hmm. and I was sitting next to uh, this, this elderly African-American woman, and and somebody is up talking about you know these are the plans for the neighborhood, and uh, and she turns to me. She doesn't even know me. We're, we're just sitting next to each mm-hmm. other. She turns to me. She goes, "I guess they're making it pretty for the white people." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoever that was, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and then somebody else asked, "Well, how much will these?" Uh, these homes costs that are being mm-hmm. developed here. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the answer was $300,000. And the people in the room were just shaking their heads. It's like, well, we can't afford that. That's not for us. Yeah. And that's how it starts, yeah. right? You're right. That's, that's how it starts. That, you're absolutely right. That's uh, it's sad. I, I'm glad I'm hearing that. I'm glad that you're making it. I just hate that that's been happening. Um, and... Um, I know it's been happening. We see the results of that, but uh, it's just sad that we're not, you know, we got to think about that. Uh, we got to keep our, our city's identity a little bit. So, um, but, but, but uh, let's back, let's get back. I wanted to talk to you about, um, I noticed that transparency, obviously through this discussion with me, transparency is a big part of what you want to, people to know about you as well as your campaign. Um and I, I, one of the things that I had an issue with uh, in the past year was the relationships between the Hamilton County Mayor and the City Mayor. <clears throat> and so, uh, transparent. I noticed that that was one of your key points was like transparency in that relationship. It's Hamilton County City Mayor sitting down consistently having a conversation. Um, do you think that that's something that realistically can be achieved? I know it's like something we want, but. You don't really control, you know. You don't really control that side as far as what they want. <laughs> um, so, do you? How do you feel like you can achieve that the best? I guess I should ask. Well, I think it can be achieved. Mm-hmm. Uh, two years ago, when I decided to run for city mayor, mm-hmm. one of the first people I talked to was County Mayor Jim Coppinger, mm-hmm. and I said to him, "I said, Mayor Coppinger." If I'm lucky enough to be Chattanooga's next mayor, mm-hmm. I want a different relationship with mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. than you appear to have with and with Andy Burke. Mm-hmm. I want a different relationship between the city and the county. Mm-hmm. I think what happens uh, uh, in a lot of the cases is the city goes to the county kind of as an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It's like, we've already decided what it is we want, mm-hmm. and we now we need you to do these things to, mm-hmm. to come along and make it happen. Mm-hmm. And occasionally, the county gets to flex mm-hmm. and go, oh, no, no <laughs> yeah. I think not. <laughs> you cannot tell. Exactly. That's, you get my drift on that. I, you know what made me mad about, so I, I, I'll specifically say what frustrated me was the whole mask mandate between the county mayor and the city mayor. Oh, yeah. As far as when they open back, uh, who you know, all of that. The, when the Hamilton County Sheriff Department made the mask mandate and all that, that was the time during the tornado. I remember this specifically because we, 
I got hit by the tornado. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> now, I didn't have as much damage as the rest of some other people did, which should have been enough to make sure we made sure that was taken care of. But uh, I got hit. So I kind of took that personal that that following week, we were still dealing with damage. Like, people lost their homes, you know, uh, Families, you know, I, I, you know, it's just crazy to see oh, the yeah. area for a long time. Even now, it's still crazy. Oh, to see my that parents area. live out there. I, I, every time I go out there, I'm, I just look around. It's I just, see, I see something else that something, I had. Exactly. Yeah. Like, dang, I didn't know that tree. Dang, I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> uh, it's just crazy. And so when that was going on, I'm like, listen, man, like, you know, we need to be. I just felt like that was such a. That kind of irritated me with leadership because this is what's going on in the community right now. You've had people that lose their homes over a traumatic tornado and y'all arguing over when businesses should open. But not, Now, we don't even know if these people that work at these places can get to their work because right. they, they don't have a house and they might not have a car. and They figure out where they're going to stay the next week or two whenever they get their stuff fixed. And yeah. you and, arguing over stuff like that, and like Jenkins Road is the dividing line between mm-hmm. the city and the county mm-hmm. in the, in that area out mm-hmm. there. So some people on one side of the street are in the city, the mm-hmm. other people on the other side of the street are in, in the, the county. county. Like, are you really going to quibble over you know what side of the street somebody's on before you offer some aid some and help. some assistance? Yeah, right. it's, and, and it's just you know. So um, that was when I saw that, and uh, it, I was like. You know, that's something that, that I took personal because I feel like there should be, you know, some camaraderie there, especially with that relationship being so close um, with Hamilton County and the city. That's a very close relationship, obviously, for location. Jenkins Road and those separate. I mean, it's very close. Yeah. Um, so I feel like there should be more effort to that. And I'm glad that you said that, that you are acknowledging that that's something that you're going to actively seek. Because, uh, you know... Nope. I, as a 30-year-old black man from Chattanooga, am tired of the political games. You know, and I'm saying that on a podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I'm tired of political games. You know, don't play one side because you know your supporters like that side or want that side to be played and, and vice versa. Like, tell me what you really want to do and give me give me your real perspective on things and, and what the people are saying. You are in a position where the people place you. So you should definitely be taking into account for what the people want and need and they're telling you because they put you there. You That's know? right. Um, and so, you know, I, I, I'm very proud to, to, to hear that that's something that you're definitely keeping an umbrella over your campaign. And um, I wanted to ask you, so I mentioned earlier that my parents um, wanted me to ask you a couple of things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Obviously. Um, but just a discussion. That's just a community discussion. Um, so the, there were a lot of mayor candidates uh, this year. Too this, many. <laughs> way, way too many. Um, not only was it too many, I, my parents and I felt that there were too many black mayor candidates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, for the specific reason that I just we're not a big enough city where we need this many mayor candidates. It's going to spread the vote too much. You're going to get your church group. You're going to get your church group. We're going to get the people, your, people you know, and it's just going to do nothing but spread the vote. So I wanted to get your perspective on that. I know um, not that that made a difference on whether you ran for me. I don't think that that did either way. But I just feel like, um, what do you feel like that? Like, wh- why was there such an attitude that this person, I can do it better than you, so I'm going to run tight? I feel like that's what it was. Wow. Um, 
I'm I'm going to give you my honest response okay. here, okay? I'm okay. Not, I'm, I'm not going to doctor it up. Good. That's what this is. It's loud my podcast. <laughs> um, I think so. There's there's rumor, okay? Mm-hmm. I don't I I don't have any proof mm-hmm. of this, but but I've been told it enough mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. that it's one of those where there's smoke. Mm-hmm. There's probably fine, some fire yeah. there. I think there are a couple of candidates who are in the race mm-hmm. because they've been bought. Oh yeah, they're in the race to split the black vote. You, yeah, that is why they're there. They they have no expectation of winning. Yeah, but and that is not what they're being paid to do. They're being paid to lose, but make sure other they're people sure. lose too. Yeah, yeah, wow, right. So, so I think that's part of it. You, you, you know, that, that's uh, <laughs> those are those type of rumors that are not rumors. <laughs> you hear, you hear those for a reason. You know what I'm saying? Like that's not a, you know, you can't confirm or deny uh-huh. clearly because they're never going to confirm or deny that. But yeah, <laughs> and and then I think there are a couple of people who whose egos are involved mm-hmm. and. This is kind of the next step, mm-hmm. and so you know, let me go ahead and and see if I can you know do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, every time somebody asks me why there's so many uh, black candidates in the race, mm-hmm. I always say, "Well, you better ask the others because I was the first one." Oh uh, yeah, for sure. So so yeah. I was when I entered the race, there weren't any. There weren't any. There weren't any. So exactly. you have to ask everybody who came behind me yeah, of why course. they're in the race. And that's, I, you know, I'm not saying, I wasn't even really asking for, I just, that's something that we, obviously, the, the black community here has that has discussed. I mean, my parents, I haven't talked to them about that, and they, they were dropping my son off, and my, I told him, I told my dad that uh, I was going to talk to you, and he was like, hey, well, you make sure he asks. <laughs> so like, and... And then the the last thing I want to say is I think there's this narrative that has been constructed about the black vote mm-hmm. that is designed to plant in black candidates this notion mm-hmm. that we can't get white vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. you better be focused over there in Alton Park. Yeah. You better be focused in East Chattanooga yeah. because you, you're not going to get any white vote. Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? Guess who's going to get some white vote? Oh, yeah. Monty Brule is going to get some white vote. I've right? noticed, I've, <laughs> I, I feel that. I see that. <laughs> so I want everybody's vote. Yeah. I'm working hard to get everybody's Everybody. vote. Mm-hmm. And you will not be able to derail my campaign or my candidacy just because you think you propped up some people to yeah. help split the black vote. Yeah. That is not going to be the end of this campaign. Good. I like that energy. Y'all heard that. That's fire on the mic. <laughs> <laughs> that's fire on the mic. No, you're absolutely right. And that's crazy. It's just crazy that we even still got to deal with that in our community that, that people can be bought. To, to split the black vote, knowing that they're going to lose, but they, uh, they're willing to play that role. And, um, you know, I just watched Judas and the Black Messiah. I don't know if you watched that yet. But I haven't seen it yet. It's a great movie, obviously, Fred Hampton. But, you know, that's, you know, that we have to get some, we got to get better together. Uh, and I, I, I kind of, you know, that's not surprising to hear that you're hearing that. That's not surprising to me to hear that that's happening. It's just sad that we still got to deal with it. Um, you should be all coming. I feel like 
everybody that <clears throat> was going to run for mayor in that community should have sat down at a table. I don't know, go to uh, go to a cigar club somewhere like that. I don't know. Well, I mean, the cigar club it might be smoke. Whatever. Sit down. Be like, all right, listen, this is what I'm bringing to the table. This is what you bring to the table. Why do you feel like you can do it better than me? And why do you feel like, like we should, and if we decide on, say, Monty, let's all get behind Monty. That doesn't necessarily mean you're not going to make no change because you're not the mayor. Right. We can put you in a position where you are making change. And then next time around when, you know, when you feel like you're done or you don't want to do it anymore, that's where we come in. So, so we cycle it up. So there were there there was a group of black pastors mm-hmm. that attempted to do this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The problem is that not all of the black candidates would come to the meeting, mm-hmm. and so how are you going to make a decision when you only have two or three of the candidates oh, there, crazy. and the other candidates are saying, "Oh, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to that meeting." One, it was disrespectful to this the black very, pastors. Very disrespectful. You know, I thought everyone should have at least come to the meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the record, I was at the meeting. Yeah, <laughs> clearly, if you knew they weren't there, <laughs> if you knew they weren't there, yeah. uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So it's, it's, it, it, there was no way that you were going to get it down to one candidate because mm-hmm. if people refused to even participate in the discussion, right? Yeah. yeah. I just, that's that's well, Monty. Listen, man, forget all that. I would say the other word, but you know, keep it a little bit more professional. Forget all that. You know, I, I think you have a good platform. You have a good uh, a good campaign going here, and I, you know, there were, I, I I feel better that I got to sit down with you and actually talk to you. I've been seeing pictures. I've been seeing the, the moonlight uh, pictures. I've been seeing you having pictures with some people that I, you know, I've sat down with and talked to on the podcast and. Um, and even just looking at your you looking at your platform on the online, it was very. I can I can see that that's who you are. It's not something you just putting out to prop up, and and that's not you didn't really give me no generic. Which is not a, this is not a generic podcast. So, right. Um, there's I don't want generic, and we, I think we as a people don't want generic anymore. I think we want real people that's gonna hear us out and hear what. The, the the unheard are saying and and doing and so um, yeah it was an honor to to sit down with you um, I'm happy that uh, you feel good about the campaign I, I definitely will be getting my butt out doing my due diligence and, and put my name next to yours and uh, I'm gonna follow up with you now okay so I'm, gonna yeah. check, I'm gonna check up hey, on li- you hey you got me on the mic here this is on record people. Uh, Monty's got my vote. Matter of fact, we about to take a picture. I'm gonna put it up because I haven't. I put I put my I put my name behind Marie. Uh-huh. Of course, I've had Marie on, and Marie know how I feel about her. She's that's she a leader. I'm I'm a, a fan of Marie Mott. Yes, and uh, so yeah, I had her on. And obviously, she's a fan of yours. She said it, um, and so but yeah, I mean, I, I I'm honored to to be able to sit down and um, in nine days it's gonna be Monty. On them screens popping up, saying that W's in, and we're gonna be celebrating. We're gonna be celebrating, uh, and I feel good because I like to say you can never speak truth to power mm. until you speak truth to the people. Yeah, and I feel like the people have not always been told the truth. Yeah, and yeah. I I just try to keep it one hundred with everybody. Hey, you right? know what? Put that on the sign, Monty. <laughs> 
Keep it 100 for Chattanooga. (laughs) (laughs) Right there, because that was beautiful. That was beautifully said. Keep it 100 with people, man. Hey, listen, I might have to just end it on that. I appreciate Hey, listen, so I'm going to publicly invite you, you know, but the live podcast, when, when you do become mayor, not only would I love to have you on a live podcast, we have like more of a community forum, sit down and talk whenever you know people are more safe about it. But also, just just come, just come, check it out. That's come, a done deal. Come. And I and I saw that um, you another thing that that I love obviously because you're invested in creators, artists here, um, venues for for music. That's one thing that has been killing me. I feel like um, the city kind of shut out. Definitely black music, and it's very noticeable. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a year that I think two thousand, might have been two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, where it was just all kind of shows going on. And then the following year, Rever Room's gone. Uh, what was the one on uh, Broad Street that that shut down? Uh, like it was a whole bunch of venues that just yep. shut down, and it's just like, don't cut us out. Involve us. The art here in Chattanooga is very. We're one of the most artistic cities in not only in the country, in the world, to me. Um, so let's invest in that, and uh, so so yeah, I I I, I, I don't have nothing else to say, Monty. You got me, man. I, I I appreciate it. Thank you for sitting down with me. Well, this has been my pleasure, and I will come back anytime you want me yes, to. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, I, I look forward to that. Um, thank everybody for tuning in. Iggy's Live My Podcast. Make sure y'all follow me on Instagram. Y'all know the drill. Iggy's Live My Podcast show Saturday. Kenan Rush, Quas. Live performance, food by Chef Boy Ed, $20, only 20 people getting in. Y'all make sure y'all get those. And uh, thank you again, sir. Good luck. Let's get it. All right, let's do it.